What's up, everybody? Uh, we are missing our illustrious uh, host, Colby. Uh, so for the time being, I'm going to stumble my way through uh, hosting this podcast. Uh, my name is David Rivera, and you can find me on Twitter at DRivera1222. Hello again, everybody. It's your boy Maverick. You can find me on Twitter at heartbreak double underscore kid. I would like to say it's Tuesday at 7.39 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I turned the game on with 8.7 seconds left when it was tied 74-74. So you're welcome, America. I won the game for us. And yes, we are recording this after the Louisville game, which we'll get to in a second. Oh, my gosh. I'm still – we'll talk about it more in a second. Lots of emotions. Not all, all of them bad, but <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Let's first talk about um, a butt whooping that we had uh, recently. Uh, and we were not on the other end of the butt whooping for once this season. Uh, played our, our little brother uh, down, uh, down the road, Tobacco Road, uh, played NC State. Uh, we won <laughs> 100 to 80. So put up biscuits on them. Um, however, it was not, and y'all can tell me if I'm wrong, but it was not as close as the score necessarily indicated. Um, no, we were up yeah. by 30 for a very large portion of the game. Yeah, and the second unit and, and such gave it, it whittled it down to about 20 um, and such. So, yeah, so it was a really solid performance um, for the whole game. Um, I, th- it, I think the two big storylines was just we seemingly could not miss from three pointer. I think it was what was it fifteen threes that we hit for the game. Oh, I like that. Um, and then otherwise, uh, again another really good performance by Leaky Black, uh, shutting down Sebron. Yeah, I, I think the two big takeaways from the game are number one. Uh, Coach Davis hates NC State just as much as his predecessor. And number two, we are a really, really good basketball team when we are playing at home. Well, not just playing at home. I mean, I mean, yes, we are really good playing at home. But, I mean, there was no way we were losing that game. With the, they were honoring the 82 team. They were honoring Coach Williams. Like, Michael Jordan was in the building. Like, there, no. Nah. <laughs> there ain't no way. Well, but I think yeah. they showed during the game that we are undefeated at home this season, knock on wood. That's true. And we are very much not undefeated, not at home this season. Yes, so yes we were 15 of 27 for three, 55.6% from three. Um, that Carolina does that. They're a dangerous team. And then um, we specifically, Leaky held Zebron to two points, three rebounds in 23 minutes. Now, granted, uh, was it Turquavian Smith? Is that pronounced right? Turquavian. Um, Turquavian. Um, yeah, Turquavian. put up 34, and then Jericho, Jericho Helman, Helms um, also had a, a really good game. But They've got some 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 fun names on NC State's roster. They got Jericho and Ebenezer and Turquavian and Darion. <laughs> See, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Do you it. all think that Kevin Keats is going to be on the hot seat? Because I feel like he's got a – the, the the length of his leash has to be at its limit at some point. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know what his recruiting class looks like coming in because I don't keep up with NC State basketball recruiting. Um, but I know that the you see some people tweeting he's a dead man walking and he's going to be gone. And some others will say, well, you know, his best player got injured this year. You know, they're dealing with that NCAA stuff. You know, they're coming off of that. 
um, you know, this is your what for Keats? Is this your three, four? Three or four. This is four, I think, because there were definitely two years of it when I was in college. Everything was a blur after Gottfried, you know? Yeah, because Gottfried's <laughs> last year was the year after Dennis Smith, I think. Because that was the year that they fired him, but let him finish the season after firing him. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> what a man. What a what a man. What a wild ride. Um, but yeah, so... Did you, Mav, did you get keep up with any of the discourse on Pack Pride? Because I feel like you are normally our message board insider. The, the message boards uh, took a peek over and were sharing some screenshots of Pack Pride. And there is definitely similar, I would say, to what some of our fans did after some embarrassing UNC losses. Um, and so, so it's I don't think it's anything really out of the ordinary for any fan base when you is lose it- to a team that you don't like losing to. Well, is it magnified? I mean, you know, it's not like they beat us often. It's not like they win against us often, but to get beat down like that, you know. Yeah, I feel like every time we beat them, it causes a meltdown, but I feel like when we beat them this bad, it should cause a bigger meltdown than normal. Yeah. The problem is uh, every time we address anything with beating them, they're just going to tweet the football video of the last two minutes of the Carolina state game and i'll be like whatever <laughs> like it's like that's like the equivalent of that's like the football equivalent of the villanova shot for me not quite as stink like doesn't sting quite as bad but it still hurts like i don't like think like, about it that much so um, <laughs> if you don't think about it it can't hurt you that's how i got over the villanova shot in yeah. the in the in the one year i had to wait between loss and but, title you know but i i will greatly relish putting on biscuits i think for the first time it's been like two and a it half was the years, first, I think. It was the first time we'd gotten biscuits at home since 2019. Yeah. We we uh, we scored 100 so, against Notre Dame last year in the ACC tournament, but that obviously it, doesn't count because it was not a home game. It's not the actual promotion, but I got in line and got me some, some bow berries um, on Saturday. Or, was it, or I guess Sunday. Sunday. We made biscuits over here in the, in the Rivero-Taylor household. I miss biscuits. And then we we have whatever just happened. Um, yeah, let's, we won. Let's, let's we unpack won. the trauma. Let's unpack the trauma. So let's talk about the good things first. Um, we won. <laughs> the bad things. Okay. Wait. <laughs> no. Um, in all honesty, like the let's talk about who who played well. I thought Armando Baycott returned to form. He had some some missed layups early, but. He put up 22 rebounds, 19 points, two assists. Like, what else do you want from the guy? Like, mm-hmm. he almost had another 2020 game. Um, Brady, Brady Manic also played very well. Brady Manic was the only reason we stayed in that game when we took those punches. Uh, Leaky Black. That's true, too. Get, that was, flower. Yeah. Leaky Black kept Leaky Black. the game. Leaky black, known sharpshooter. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't three know why. Three from the three point line. Three of three. He is a member of the Theo Pinson school. Of if he makes his first three, he's going to be red hot. If he misses, he might as well be shooting with his eyes closed. Yeah, he was four of four from the field, three of three specifically from three point line, two of two free throws. Had thir- ended with thirteen points, five rebounds, four assists. I'll take that every night and on Sunday from Leaky. Yeah. So yeah, Manic had 24, Mondo had 19, Leaky had 13, 
uh, RJ had 18, Caleb had 16. However, I will point out that <laughs> I will point out that Caleb uh, went like four for 18, and most of his points came from the free throw line. Um, but he did have six assists, five rebounds. RJ Davis had five assists, four rebounds. Leaky Black had four assists, five rebounds. You know, really good assist numbers from from the guards. Um, just really poor decision making from a really young team. Like I, I feel like I shouldn't say we're a young team. Like at this point, Caleb Love and RJ Davis are vets. They're second year players. They know the deal. Like you should know when you dribble past half court, if you get trapped, either call the timeout or pass it to the open man because someone's open, you know, if you get trapped in the corner and he just stood there and got the ball taken away from him to send us to overtime. Like I, I was really mad at Caleb Love because I felt like he was making every single wrong decision you could possibly make. <laughs> and maybe yeah, I'm too harsh, but it was a really bad stretch there where um, I'm pretty sure they hit the three. We go down, Caleb does get a good drive. Goes for the, his his dunk, his contra- contractually or contractually obligated tomahawk for the game, uh, but got rim stuffed, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then it, they got another three. It was like a big, like five or six point swing, um, and then there was the turnover uh, towards the end of regulation that allowed them to steal the ball and tie the game up. Um, there, and there then definitely OT. Some, some very frustrating sequences. Um, OT works five. We're up but, five OT. <laughs> having said that, both in regulation and in overtime, we responded well and we responded well on the road. Even against a, a Louisville team that is by all means struggling with absence of Chris Mack and suspension of Link Williams, that basically their leading scorer right now. Um, I, I'll take a finally a win on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, a win, a win's a win, even if it was as messy by us yeah. and by the referees as that yes. There were just so many calls at the end there. Um, like there were calls that should have been called that weren't called. There were calls that were made that were questionable on both sides. And it, it was it by was Roger nice. Ayers, who's normally a very solid ref, which I feel uh, like is one of the most surprising yeah. parts of it for me. There were some technical fouls called. There was some pushing and shoving. Maybe a little things- bit of Maybe a little bit of embellishment. Um, but also some over the backs that's not getting called and Armando's practically getting pulled down to the ground uh, by the much smaller guards and stuff that have to get onto him. It's like they were told, Hey, this team's center is gone. So we're going to have to maul this guy to stop him. <laughs> and he still got 22 oh. rebounds and 19 points. Yeah. They, well, they might've got some stuff thrown at him, but they, they should be happy to get a win like that. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? Cause that's, that's like, I was scared for the players right there because I thought that that the yum the yum center was going to explode. I don't think I've ever heard a crowd boo that like violently. Yeah, it was it was like it was a different kind of booing. It was a, like if I see you outside this this yum this KFC yum center, we're about to throw hands. Yeah, because there was the first like just raining of boos over the call um, against Withers on the rebound where they were both kind of hooking each other and they called it on Withers. Then their coach let out stuff, slacked the, the announcer's table and got a technical, and it just amplified mm-hmm. uh, from there. So, I mean, that practically sealed the game there. We got Caleb, I think, missed one of the technical free throws, hit the other, but made it like five or six, and we got more free throws 
to put it up seven and put the game away. Um, yeah, you, that's just one. You take the win. You'd be happy with it. You learn from it. And now we prepare for Saturday. Yeah. I think that one of the big lessons, though, that we haven't brought up yet that I think that we need to take is that the bench needs to do something because we had one field goal attempt from the bench. And we had one rebound and one and three fouls from the bench. And those were the only stats that our bench logged in that game. I mean, there was definitely times the the starters looked gassed. That's what happens when you don't play your bench. (laughs) You know, that's when you have a six, seven man rotation is that you're, you're, you're gassed. Like I know everyone got frustrated at Rory for playing 10 guys for going 10 deep, but I mean, the benefit is, you deal with it for the, the three, four minutes that you have to, and your guys aren't, you know, wheezing with four minutes to go in the, in the second half, you know, and maybe Caleb doesn't miss those dunks. If he gets a minute of extra rest on the bench, yeah. because you stick, you know, another, another guard in there, like a DeMarco Dunn or a, um, a Dontre styles in there who can take the, the load off a little bit, but so, you know. yeah, I don't know much else to say about that one. That was, it was weird, on all weird, accounts. Weird and ugly. Weird and ugly. Let's get to fun stuff. Uh, Cause wow. I feel like football is at like an all time peak high right now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, as far as like the product on the field, you know um, you know, we got two teams in the Super Bowl where you're like, I kind of, you know, don't mind if either one of these teams wins. I really want, I, well, you know, I know you don't. I, I know you I'm, want, I'm not excited. You're not excited? Well, one of the teams beat my team. The other team beat my team when they made the Super Bowl. Well, wouldn't you want the team that beat you in the playoffs to win it to be like, oh, well, at least we lost to the, you know, it's like an NCAA tournament. We're like, oh, well, we lost. Well, we lost to the ones who went to the, to the final, you know, final four. Normally I would, but they, along with their Twitter, Base has been extremely disrespectful on social media. Am I the only? Am I the only one that likes the Bengals in this in this chat right now, in this podcast? I mean, listen, right what I'll say is that if the Bengals win, you will not hear me shut up for a very long time about how we beat them twice this year. <laughs> yeah, Tennessee uh, beat three of the four uh, teams on Championship Sunday in the regular season. Instead of talking about just the Bengals, because obviously we're going to give them their flowers. You know, they're, you know, they're a beat up team, but, you know, props to Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty to, <laughs> to, you I know. I think Mav said it well when they're, they seem like a team of destiny team right now. Yeah, they do. Um, but specifically talking about Bengals Chiefs, I just feel like, and I think, I can't remember who said it. It was some, one of the talking heads. It was either like, it wasn't Stephen A. Smith. It might've been Nick Wright. Cause I always check in on Nick Wright when it comes to the chiefs. Cause he is like an avid Chiefs supporter. Um, I feel like were y'all actively watching the game. No. Yes. No. Okay. So Aaron, do you remember the last play of the ha- the first half? Uh, yeah. The bad play call. Yeah, the the screen to Tyreek Hill. Yes, yeah. that ran out the clock, and they couldn't mm-hmm. kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. I feel like from that point on, Patrick Mahomes never like actually recovered from that. Yeah, he lost his mojo. Yeah, and I think this is. I, there have been how many games in the playoffs where we've seen a game get lost because a bad play call where a team goes unnecessarily aggressive instead of taking the points. Yeah. And, and, and it's not even like I, I wouldn't have hated a shot to the end zone, 
But why are you throwing a swing a screen, a screen to Tyreek Hill, who, you know, by all accounts has every capability of getting into the end zone. However, you got three guys on the, on the end and he had no chance. There's no chance. I mean, they sniffed it out and it's just, it just ran the clock out. You missed the points. And then they scored three points in the next half and overtime of football. Yeah. You know, and you think about the Chiefs, you think of offensive firepower. Like, how do you have Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, that offensive line, Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman? You know, you have your running Iron back. Iron Pringle, like, who's been really good. Pringle's been playing really well. You have your, your running Evan's back. been great. Mm-hmm, who's playing really well. You know, how do you have all of that and score three points? You know, mm-hmm. I get halftime adjustments by the Bengals and props to them. But – you know, it, it, it was so I, I guess the question is how much of it was the Bengals adjusting and, and Joe Burrow, you know, putting the team on his back and the defense locking up or how much of it was the 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 Chiefs choking, you know, for lack of a better term. I mean, I think it could be a little bit of both, but I do think we saw the same Mahomes that we were seeing play in the first half of the season where we said Mahomes sucks. Or at least I was saying that. When I'm old enough to remember suck. that. But, you know, I think that we can all agree that the combination of Joe, well, first of all, I'll talk about the Bengals. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is just a combo for the ages. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really think that has a chance to be special. And just this young wide receiver class is just so freaking good. Like, Devontae, uh, is it Devontae Parker on the Eagles? No, Smith. Smith. Thank you. Devontae Parker's on the Dolphins or used to be on the, I I, I don't know. Uh, Devontae Smith, (laughs) Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, you know, you got a bunch of guys, you know, young guys, you know, Jalen Waddle on the Dolphins, a lot of young receivers that are really, really doing well. And then you got guys like, you know, Cooper cup, you know, Stefan Diggs. I feel like the wide receiver position is really, really humming right now. Yeah, well, I think that we've come to a point in football where teams realize that it is not worthwhile in most cases. Obviously, Mavericks' case is a rare exception to where it is not worthwhile to have a single bell cow running back who takes every carry that your team has all game. And Mm -hmm. so we're not seeing absolute superstars at the running back position like we were even a couple years ago when there were players that were playing out of their minds like Christian McCaffrey or Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb before we had Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. So, you know, ultimately I thought the chiefs were going to stomp their way to a championship this year, especially with and it Tampa. looked like it when they were up 21, three. Yeah. I thought that by all accounts, I was like, Ooh, this is going to get, ugly. thanks for coming. Bengals. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> they come all the way. Um, have another wild into regulation sequence going to overtime. Chiefs win the toss again. Everybody's like, oh, here we go. And also, when well, the Chiefs won the toss, that was a WWE-level pop from the crowd. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason not to be confident. I mean, you're allowing them the chance to put the game away, but the Bengals got to stop. And then McPherson, once again, just has an extremely clutch moment as a rookie. Um, puts well, the game away the since the Bengals to the Super Bowl. It's not just a – it's not – to go back to it, it's not just – you know, the defense, it's not just, I guess, the defense stepping up. I mean, like, that was just a really bad throw from Mahomes. 
Like, I don't know why that decision was made. But uh, I, the audacity, I think, of some folks, some, I saw some, like, very, I hope it's a minority saying that Andy Reid needs to be fired for that. Um, Andy Reid's best coach y'all had in years. Um, yeah. That, that's not one to get upset about. You, no. you, you move on um, from that. I especially, should, like I said, especially if the Bengals win. Like I said, I, I do, they do have vibes. They're a team of destiny. But similar um, to what Tennessee did, uh, Aaron Donald is going to feast on that offensive line. So Von right. Miller is yep. going to feast. Um, and their secondary is much better than ours. Is. So great segue. I mean, so, so 49ers and Rams. Um, I don't like Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know why he's starting on an NFL team. I don't know how you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and go, yeah, that guy, you know what? That guy is probably better than 31 other guys. You know, like at this point, Mitch Trubisky might be an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's saying something like it's just bad. Like but you got they a guy. Have their, they, they have their quarterback of the future in waiting, and they knew when they drafted him that they were going to have to redshirt him. So I don't think that it's that outrageous, especially when, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, Jimmy G's not good, but he's not like bad. He's just not going to win you again. Yeah, game. you don't make. I mean, you, I don't think a bad quarterback makes the NFC Championship. That's, yeah, that's like, fair. I, I I agree, David. He's not going to win you many games, but he's also not going to lose you that many games. Yeah. I mean, I th- like I said, he, he's a he's Tannehill. He's Italian Tannehill. I think Tannehill's better than that, though. Like, <laughs> no, and just in the sense, maybe there's. I, I think it's marginal. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of deal. They'll win you a lot of games, like and especially close games. But I don't know if they're at that level that can take you over the hump and get you a Super Bowl. I just think they have with George, like there's no reason the 49ers should not be chiefs like on offense because of the having the literal human epitome of a Swiss army knife in Debo Samuel. You have a guy like Brandon Ayuk, you have, you know, not Travis Kelsey, sorry, George Kittle, you know, there's just so many things that are that are playing towards the, the 49ers being really good on offense. And I feel like Jimmy G is the reason why they can't get over that hump. Yeah. And the defense, also, you know, you got a good defense too. And honestly, like I said, I, I'm personally like, I think Matt Stafford's story is a little bit more cool for me at the moment um, to see how much he, what he went through in Detroit and just how much he struggled that, you know, he honestly, I think he always has been a really good quarterback. He just, sure. Did not have the support around him to try mm-hmm. to showcase that at times. Yeah, um, now I'd agree. He's with a successful team, he's already in a Super Bowl. Yep. So, you know, I, and to to what to your point, you know, I feel like we I didn't really, you know, I watched the 49ers Rams, but I was like, it was like it, on the TV in the background. It wasn't like my main focus, like Bengals Chiefs. Um, you know, you got the storyline of Matt Stafford potentially winning a Super Bowl, OBJ. <laughs> winning a Super Bowl and having some vindication there. Uh, right, Aaron? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, you know, what What was his stat line? He had like six catches, 130 yards, something like that. Let me, let me find it. Hold on. I had Cooper Cup in my fantasy league, so I don't care about what the other dude did. <laughs> All right, let me find it. Hold on. Odell Beckham Jr., nine receptions, 113 yards. 
12.6 reception average. However, Cooper Cup is just the man. I mean, he, I mean, so, so here, okay. So we'll uh, just real quick, quick fire predictions. Uh, uh, Aaron, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Rams. Maverick, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Rams. I, I David, also think the Super Bowl. I also think the Rams. You know, I'm glad we're on the same page. I really like the Bengals. Love the Bengals. However, when you think about how how Joe Burrow is getting eaten up behind the line, and then you look on the other side and you got Aaron Donald and you got Von Miller and you got Jalen Ramsey locking up, you know, your best receiver pretty much. Now, I will say Jalen Ramsey got toasted last week a little bit by a uh, – yeah. Tom Brady's he, last touchdown ever. I was going to say he oh, got sorry. Yeah, yeah. toasted. Yeah, he got toasted by a man who retired after the game. He got – yeah, it, it was bad. Um, but I, I do think, you know, he'll, he'll recover. I am just looking – at all of the pieces that the Rams have. And I just think they're in a a better spot to win. However, Bengals are still the Bengals and they've been winning these weird games that we feel like they shouldn't win, you know? So it's like, I'm not going to count them out because I counted them out with the chiefs. I'm going to be honest with you. I counted them out. I was like, there's no way. So I'm not going to count them out. I think they've earned that. However, I just don't think, I think the defense is much better. I think this is going to be the best defense they've played. Is that, would you all agree with that? Yeah. I I mean, I think that the Bengals are absolutely on fire right now, but top to bottom, the Rams are a much more complete team than the Bengals are. So they're going to have to, I mean, Cooper Cup and OBJ running wild over there, you know, I think is going to be a problem. And then you think about the Rams and just looking ahead to next year, like they're going to add Robert Woods back to this team. Like that's going to, that is going to be an issue for everybody. But uh, any more thoughts on, uh, on the Rams Bengals Super Bowl? Um, also uh, something that I, I don't know if you noticed, David, I don't know if you watched the Chiefs game from the very beginning, but yeah. the microphone for the national anthem was out for like the first 10 seconds. I know, I saw that. <laughs> that was something. All righty. So do we want to keep it? Do we want to keep on football, on NFL football, and just and talk about Brian Flores and Tom Brady and then talk about the schedule reveal? Or do you want to hit the schedule reveal now? Let's let's keep it NFL. Okay, so let's talk about Brian Flores first. Um, you know, it, this just happened today. This this came out from Adam Schefter um, today. But Brian Flores is suing the Giants. Is he also suing the Dolphins? Broncos. Broncos. Thank you. Also suing the Broncos um, for uh, racism, and also, and I don't know if this is part of the lawsuit, but um, in the court documents. Uh, actually, let me go ahead and pull up. Yeah, former head coach Brian Flores is suing the NFL, the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Broncos for alleged racism in hiring, and he includes texts from Patriots head coach Bill Belichick in the suit as evidence. Lawsuit filed in Manhattan federal court seeking unspecified damages from the NFL. So, you know, we've you know, I think so. Let's talk about the 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 Bill the Bill Bel, the Bill Belichick. Wow, that was a mouthful. The Bill Belichick aspect of this. So. Um, I don't know if you all saw the text messages, but basically what had happened, what had happened was um, 
uh, Bill texted Brian Flores thinking that he was a uh, Brian Dabble. Dabble, um, telling him congrats on getting the Giants gig. Um, and then uh, Brian Flores promptly responded, said, thanks. I have an interview with them on Thursday. And he's like, well, hey, man, I think you're you're the guy. They told they told me you're the guy. You know, you've been hired. You're the head coach. Congrats. And Brian Flores is like. I mean, that's the hope. <laughs> that's the hope. I haven't interviewed yet. That's the hope. And then Brian Flores texts back, says, hey, did you mean Brian Dabble? And he was like, uh, 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 and Bill Belichick said, dang it. I texted. I, I, this is the wrong Brian. I'm really sorry. You know. And then he said, I, 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 I effed up BB, <laughs> you know. Um, it was the, the, the exact uh, text messages that I would expect to get from a 70 year old. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is the, the this is Rooney rule stuff, right? So what yeah. he's claiming is that um, the Giants had already hired a candidate and were only interviewing Brian Flores to check that, the Rooney, that box the Rooney yeah, yeah. for that Rooney rule. It didn't actually hire him with any intention of actually, sorry, didn't interview with him any intent with any intention of hiring him, which then becomes a broader issue of, well, you know, how many times does this actually happen? And, you know, if I were to, if I were a betting man, which I'm not, uh, I would bet quite often. So what this comes down to is basically Brian Flores uh, essentially uh, tanking his coaching career for this, which, you know, tells you a lot about what, how much he really believes in this, in this lawsuit uh, or what, and what he's gone through, you know, not to invalidate what he's gone through, but, you know, just thinking about that aspect of it. Plus, you know, the really big thing that is, and I don't know how to say this paid tanking, like, <laughs> $100,000 per loss is something that I, I don't think I've ever thought about. You know, I don't know about you all, but I haven't really thought about it like a GM or an owner, like compensating a coach for tanking. Like that's very mm -hmm. brazen. That's very brazen. And I don't know if you kept looking into it, but he was, um, there was apparently a free agent, which I assume I'm not going to make, sorry, I'm not going to make any assumptions. I thought it was Deshaun Watson, but they didn't name the actual player um, who was a free agent. Um, owner told him that he wanted him to start tampering basically. Hey, you need to start contacting this player. We need to start setting up meetings. And Brian Flores was like, no, 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 no. That's against the tampering rules. Invites Brian Flores onto his yacht, gets to the Marina. Is it Marina? Marina? Marina. Marina. <laughs> okay. Like Marinara. Uh, uh, <laughs> you put the, the boat in the sauce. You put it in the sauce. <laughs> he gets to the Marina and um, tells Brian Flores that, hey, it just so happens that this free agent that I told you to meet is going to be here at this marina. Let's invite him onto the yacht and have a conversation. And Brian Flores promptly declined and left. Um, so things are getting really spicy <laughs> in the NFL from a image perspective right now, because that is a major bomb drop, especially when you consider the implications of being paid to lose games, especially as the NFL is starting to embrace sports betting as a part of its uh, uh, image and product, you know? 
Um, Cause I don't know about you. If I spent a lot of money on a bet and uh, I would be pissed if I found this out uh, that a team lost, yeah. you know, on purpose. It's definitely not a good look. I mean, the tired is uh, Bill Belichick effed up and texted the wrong uh, Brian. The wired take is that Bill Belichick did it on purpose, knowing the firestorm. Now, like I said, that, that I feel like that invalidates the real issues that are going on um, and such. But it's also something I wouldn't put past Bill Belichick to actually do, given his all the issues he's faced with, like with the flake game and such. Um, yeah, now, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's always been like a talking point the last couple of years. I mean, it's, there seems to be well-documented stuff with, you know, black NFL coaches not getting a very long leash and not getting, being able to get the tenure of other coaches who were not performing to standard, uh, but still being able to keep their jobs. And then you have stuff like the Rooney Rollet codes in place to be able to give opportunities to more uh, coaches but now it's it seems to be having adverse effects or not being taken seriously. Yeah, it's uh it's quite the situation. So we'll we'll see how it unfolds. I'm sure this is going to be a long drawn out process, but you know, I will be curious to see what the um what the implications of this are cuz you know, as of now, the NFL has denied this claim. They have denied that this is a thing. Um so We'll see how it goes. Um, on to happier news in the NFL. Uh, Tom Brady retirement party. Woo woo. <laughs> Finally. 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 Yeah. The second time this weekend he retired. Still, Bad still man just... can't hurt us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kept us in suspense. But uh, Adam Schefter was vindicated uh, when Tom Brady announced his retirement shortly after. Um, you know, lots of Super Bowls, lots of winning, great stuff. Um, you know, he's going to, you know, a shame that he's going to get overshadowed by Ben Roethlisberger retiring, you know, just really a shame, you know, <laughs> the more accomplished of the two quarterbacks, Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, everybody, but, uh, effectively puts an end to that. Uh, was it the two, is it 2005, that draft class, the one with Philip river? Like, I guess that wasn't a draft class. It was just the era of like Philip rivers, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, uh, Tom Brady, um, Big Ben, like those guys, like the, the old man quarterbacks, the old man quarterbacks. Exactly. That, that era is now done. Uh, and it is now the dawning of a new era as scar from the lion King would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Am I still, so 22 seasons, 20 with the Pats, two with the bucks. Am I counting right? 10 of his 22 seasons. He was in a super bowl in the super bowl. Yeah, man. Almost yeah. half of his career, he was playing in the Super Bowl. I was now, looking at a season. Now, let alone season probably, result, uh, God uh, knows how many AFC championships came in that time. Mm-hmm. I was looking at a list of his like season by season results earlier today, and I didn't. I mean, I guess I remembered the more I thought about it, but I had forgotten that there was almost a ten year span in the middle of his career where he went without winning a Super Bowl. He won three Super Bowls in his first four seasons, and then in a 10-year span, lost two Super Bowls to the Giants. And then, to be fair, one in 2015 and 2017. But there was a 10-year span where Tom Brady didn't win a Super Bowl. And then got, what, four more? 
I mean, it it's without a doubt the greatest quarterback of all time. And it's not oh, yeah. close. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool to be able to watch it. Like I said, it was, it was plenty easy to dislike him um, at points, but it was, it's one of those things. It's kind of like a heel in wrestling. Um, sometimes they get to a point where you, you, you got someone who you don't like just because of their actions, but they're so daggum good that you can't help. And she's like, daggum, they're just a really good player. No, I don't like Tom Brady because he kisses his kids on the mouth. So <laughs> that's, that's, I feel like I'm vindicated here by not liking him. <laughs> sorry to anybody listening. If you kiss your kids on the mouth, that, that crap's weird, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, wow. Oh. Yep. The goat, though. The goat. <laughs> Guaranteed. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we can go ahead and put him in the 2027 Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. he's He got inducted as soon as he announced his retirement. Like, come on. Yeah. Speaking of which, really quickly, I don't know how you feel about this, Aaron, but how do you feel about Barry Bonds not getting he should be. He should be in the Hall of Fame. I, I am of that belief. Barry Bonds was a bona fide Hall of Famer even before he started using the juice. We are of this. Like, we don't have to talk about this extensively, but you take a guy who introduced and and really got people to like, like a group of people who got to like baseball when he was playing, and you say, nah, that didn't count. Nah. Well, the thing is that, he, the MLB basically encouraged that by having the whole chicks dig the long ball mm-hmm. thing. Like yeah. the MLB wanted home runs and he gave them what they wanted. And now they want to punish him for that. Well, I mean, the, the baseball hall of fame isn't MLB, isn't the MLB, but still he yeah. gave them what they wanted and now he's being punished for it. Yep. All right. So I didn't actually see, I saw one of the tweets. But Maverick, I feel like you're really excited to talk about this Tar Heel football schedule reveal. Yeah, it's I, and it could be just a quick uh, sort of deal. Let me get it yeah. pulled up here. Um, we got week zero at FAMU. We got FAMU coming to Chapel Hill. I think that's always exciting. That one's been announced for a while. Um, decent non-conference slate. We really uh, we don't have the tune-up game to state like we've had in years past. Stand by, uh, but also just acknowledging just the, the really funny um, tweets that UNC football's account sent out for all the opponents. <laughs> yeah, that was good. All right, yeah. Uh, week zero, uh, four to eight a.m. Followed by at App State, followed by at Georgia State. Uh, by week, home game versus Notre Dame, at home versus Virginia Tech, at Miami, at Duke, another by. Home versus Pittsburgh at Virginia at Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, and then um, another Friday NC State game. Um, I guess the big takeaway that I had that September twenty fourth through the eighth, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Miami. That's probably the toughest stretch of the season. Uh, I mean, you could also argue probably Pittsburgh at Virginia at Wake Forest would be another one. Um, so, I, but I do think it's evenly spread out you got three hard games but you got a couple more that you can bounce back from should there be any struggles or losses that come out of those but yeah just thought i'd go over it um like lightning fast way too early predictions i'm seeing six and six 
Six and six. Mm-hmm. You have a prediction, David? Um, I'm going to reserve my judgment until I actually look into the schedule, quite frankly. <laughs> I can give my early prediction, but I think we all know what it's going to be. 12 and 0. 15 and 0. Uh, <laughs> I think on that, let's end on that positive note. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Uh, we are missing our illustrious uh, host, Colby. Uh, so for the time being, I'm going to stumble my way through uh, hosting this podcast. Uh, my name is David Rivera, and you can find me on Twitter at DRivera1222. Hello again, everybody. It's your boy Maverick. You can find me on Twitter at heartbreak double underscore kid. I would like to say it's Tuesday at 7.39 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I turned the game on with 8.7 seconds left when it was tied 74-74, so you're welcome, America. I won the game for us. And yes, we are recording this after the Louisville game, which we'll get to in a second. Oh, my gosh. I'm still – we'll talk about it more in a second. Lots of emotions. Not all, all of them bad, but <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Let's first talk about um, a butt whooping that we had uh, recently. Uh, and we were not on the other end of the butt whooping for once this season. Uh, played our, our little brother uh, down, uh, down the road, Tobacco Road, uh, played NC State. Uh, we won <laughs> 100 to 80, so put up biscuits on them. Um, however, it was not, and y'all can tell me if I'm wrong, but it was not as close as the score necessarily indicated. Um, no, we were up yeah. by 30 for a very large portion of the game. Yeah, and the second unit and, and such gave it, uh, whittled it down to about 20 um, and such. So, yeah, so it was a, a really solid performance um, for the whole game. Um, I, th- it, I think the two big storylines was just we seemingly could not miss from three-pointer. I think it was, what was it, 15 threes that we hit for the game? Oh, I would like that. Um, and then otherwise, uh, again, another really good performance by Leaky Black, uh, shutting down Sebron. Yeah, I, mean, I think the two big takeaways from the game are, number one, uh, Coach Davis hates NC State just as much as his predecessor. And number two, we are a really, really good basketball team when we are playing at home. Well, not just playing at home. I mean, I mean, yes, we are really good playing at home, but – I mean, there was no way we were losing that game. With the, they were honoring the 82 team. They were honoring Coach Williams. Like, Michael Jordan was in the building. Like, there, no. Nah. <laughs> there ain't no way. Well, but I think yeah. they showed during the game that we are undefeated at home this season, knock on wood. That's true. And we are very much not undefeated, not at home this season. Yes, so yes we were 15 of 27 for three, 55.6% from three. Um Carolina does that. They're a dangerous team. And then um, we specifically, Leakey held Zebron to two points, three rebounds in 23 minutes. Now, granted, uh, was it Turquavian Smith? Is that pronounced right? Turquavian. Um, Turquavian. Um, yeah, they Turquavian. put up 34, and then Jericho, Jericho Hellman, Helms um, also had a, a really good game. But They've got some 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 fun names on NC State's roster. They got Jericho and Ebenezer and – Turquavion and Darion. <laughs> See, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Do y'all it. think that Kevin Keats is going to be on the hot seat? Because I feel like he's got a the, – the, the length of his leash has to be 
at its limit at some point. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what his recruiting class looks like coming in because I don't keep up with NC State basketball recruiting. Um, but I know that the you see some people tweeting he's a dead man walking and he's going to be gone. And some others will say, well, you know, his best player got injured this year. You know, they're dealing with that NCAA stuff. You know, they're coming off of that. Um, you know, this is your what for Keats? Is this your three, four? Three or four. This is four, I think, because there were definitely two years of it when I was in college. Everything was a blur after Godfrey, you know? Yeah, because Godfrey's <laughs> last year was the year after Dennis Smith, I think. Because that was the year that they fired him, but let him finish the season after firing him. Oh, yeah, that's right. What a man. What a what a man. What a wild ride. Um, but yeah, so. Did you, Mav, did you get keep up with any of the discourse on Pack Pride? Because I feel like you are normally our message board insider. The, the message boards uh, took a peek over and were sharing some screenshots of Pack Pride. And there is definitely similar, I would say, to what some of our fans did after some embarrassing UNC losses. Um, so, so it's, I don't think it's anything really out of the ordinary for any fan base when you is lose it, to a team that you don't like losing to. Well, is it magnified? I mean, you know, it's not like they beat us often. It's not like they win against us often, but to get beat down like that, you know. Yeah. I feel like every time we beat them, it causes a meltdown, but I feel like when we beat them this bad, it should cause a bigger meltdown than normal. Yeah. The problem is uh, every time we address anything with beating them, they're just going to tweet the football video of the last two minutes of the Carolina state game. And I'll be like, whatever. <laughs> like, it's like, that's like the equivalent of, that's like the football equivalent of the Villanova shot for me. Not quite as stink, like doesn't sting quite as bad, but it still hurts. <laughs> like I don't like to think like, about mm-hmm. it that much. So um, <laughs> if you don't think about it, it can't hurt you. That's how I got over the Villanova shot in yeah. the in the in the one year I had to wait between loss and but, title. You know? But I I will greatly relish putting on biscuits. I think for the first time, it's been like two and a it half was the years. First, I think. It was the first time we'd gotten biscuits at home since 2019. Yeah, we we uh, we scored a hundred so, against Notre Dame last year in the ACC tournament, but that obviously it, doesn't count because it was not a home game. It's not the actual promotion, but I got in line and got me some some bowberries. Um, on Saturday, or was it, or I guess Sunday. Sunday, we made biscuits over here in the in the Rivero Taylor household. I miss biscuits. And then we we had what ever just happened. Um, yeah, let's, we won. Let's, let's we unpack won. the trauma. Let's unpack the trauma. So let's talk about the good things first. Um, we won. <laughs> the bad things. Okay, wait. <laughs> no. Um, in all honesty, like the let's talk about who who played well. I thought Armando Baycott returned to form. He had some some missed layups early, but he put up 22 rebounds, 19 points, two assists. Like, what else do you want from the guy? Like, mm-hmm. he almost had another 2020 game. Um, Brady, Brady Manic also played very well. Brady Manic was the only reason we stayed in that game when we took those punches. Uh, leaky Black. That's true too. Get, that give was, flowers. Yeah. Leaky Black kept Leaky us in Black. The game. Leaky Black, known sharpshooter. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't three know why. Three from the three point line. Three of three. From, 
He is a member of the Theo Pinson School of if he makes his first three, he's going to be red hot. If he misses, he might as well be shooting with his eyes closed. Yeah, he was four of four from the field, three of three specifically from three-point line, two of two free throws. Had thir- ended with 13 points, five rebounds, four assists. I'll take that every night and on Sunday from Leakey. Yeah, so, yeah, Manic had 24, Mondo had 19, Leakey had 13, uh, Day, uh, RJ had 18, Caleb had 16. However, I will point out that <laughs> I will point out that Caleb uh went like four for 18, and most of his points came from the free throw line. Um, but he did have six assists, five rebounds. RJ Davis had five assists, four rebounds. Leaky Black had four assists, five rebounds. You know, really good assist numbers from, from the guards. Um, just really poor decision making from a really young team like I, I feel like I shouldn't say we're a young team like at this point Caleb Love and RJ Davis are vets they're second year players they know the deal like you should know when you dribble past half court if you get trapped either call the timeout or pass it to the open man because someone's open you know if you get trapped in the corner and he just stood there and got the ball taken away from him to send us to overtime like I I was really mad at Caleb Love because I felt like he was making every single wrong decision you could possibly make. <laughs> and maybe yeah, I'm too harsh, but it was a really bad stretch there where um I'm pretty sure they hit the three. We go down. Caleb does get a good drive, goes for the his his dunk. His contract contractually or contractually obligated tomahawk for the game. Uh but got rim stuffed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it, they got another three. It was like a big like five or six point swing. Um and then there was the turnover uh, towards the end of regulation that allowed them to steal the ball and tie the game up. Um, there were definitely OT. Some, some very frustrating sequences. Um, OT, but, we're up five. We're up but, five in OT. <laughs> having said that, both in regulation and in overtime, we responded well and we responded well on the road. Even against a, a Louisville team that is by all means struggling with absence of Chris Mack and suspension of Link Williams, basically their leading scorer right now. Um, I'll take a, finally a win on the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a win, a win's a win, even if it was as messy by us and by the referees as that. There were just so many calls at the end there. Um, Like there were calls that should have been called that weren't called. There were calls that were made that were questionable on both sides. And it was by Roger Ayers, who's normally a very solid ref, which I feel like is one of the most surprising parts of it for me. There were some technical fouls called. There was some pushing and shoving. Maybe a little bit of maybe a little bit of embellishment, uh, but also (laughs) some over the backs that's not getting called. And Armando's practically getting pulled down to the ground uh, by the much smaller guards and stuff that have to get onto him. It's like they were told, "Hey, this team's center is gone." So we're going to have to maul this guy to stop him. <laughs> and he still got 22 oh. rebounds and 19 points. Yeah. They, they might have got some stuff thrown at him, but they, they should be happy to get a win like that. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? Because that's that's like I was scared for the players right there because I thought that that the yum the yum center was going to explode. I don't think I've ever heard a crowd boo that like violently. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was like it was a different kind of booing. It was a like if I see you outside this this yum, this KFC Yum Center, we're about to throw hands. Yeah, because there was the first like just raining of booze over the call a um, 
against Withers on the rebound where they were both kind of hooking each other and they called it on Withers. Then their coach let out stuff, slacked the, the announcer's table and got a technical and it just amplified mm-hmm. uh, from there. So, I mean, that practically sealed the game there. We got Caleb, I think, missed one of the technical free throws, hit the other, but made it like five or six, and we got more free throws to put it up seven and put the game away. Um, yeah, you that's just one. You, you take the win. You'd be happy with it. You learn from it, and now we prepare for Saturday. Yeah. I think that one of the big lessons, though, that we haven't brought up yet that I think that we need to take is that the bench needs to do something because – we had one field goal attempt from the bench and we had one rebound and one and three fouls from the bench. And those were the only stats that our bench logged in that game. I mean, there was definitely times the, the starters looked gassed. That's what happens when you don't play your bench. <laughs> you know, that's when you have a six, seven man rotation is that you're, you're, you're gassed. Yeah. Like I know everyone got frustrated at Rory for playing 10 guys for going 10 deep. But, I mean, the benefit is you deal with it for the, the three, four minutes that you have to, and your guys aren't, you know, wheezing with four minutes to go in the in the second half, you know? And maybe Caleb doesn't miss those dunks if he gets a minute of extra rest on the bench yeah. because you stick, you know, another another guard in there, like a DeMarco Dunn or a, um, a Dontrez Styles in there who can take the, the load off a little bit. But, oh, you know. yeah. I don't know much else to say about that one. That was ugly on all accounts. Weird and ugly. Weird and ugly. Let's get to fun stuff. uh, Because, wow, I feel like football is at like an all-time peak high right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, as far as like the product on the field. You know, know, we got two teams in the Super Bowl where you're like, I – Kind of, you know, don't mind if either one of these teams wins. I really want. I, well, you know, I know you don't. I, I know you I'm, want I'm not excited. You're not excited. Well, one of the teams beat my team. The other team beat my team when they made the Super Bowl. Well, wouldn't you want the team that beat you in the playoffs to win it to be like, oh, well, at least we lost to the. You know, it's like an NCAA tournament. We're like, oh, well, we lost, but we lost to the ones who went to the to the final. You know, final four. Normally, I would, but they, along with their Twitter. Base has been extremely disrespectful on social media. Am I the only? Am I the only one that likes the Bengals in this in this chat right now? In this podcast, I mean, listen. What I'll say is that if the Bengals win, you will not hear me shut up for a very long time about how we beat them twice this year. <laughs> yeah, Tennessee uh, beat three of the four uh, teams on Championship Sunday in the regular season. Instead of talking about just the Bengals, because obviously we're going to give them their flowers. You know, they're, you know, they're a beat up team, but, you know, props to Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty to, <laughs> to, you I know. I think Mav said it well when they're, they seem like a team of destiny team right now. Yeah, they do. Um, but specifically talking about Bengals Chiefs, I just feel like, and I think, I can't remember who said it. It was some, one of the talking heads. It was either like, it wasn't Stephen A. Smith. It might've been Nick Wright. Cause I always check in on Nick Wright when it comes to the chiefs. Cause he is a, an avid Chiefs supporter. Um, I feel like were y'all actively watching the game. No. Nope. Yes. No. Okay. So Aaron, do you remember the last play of the ha- the first half? Uh, yeah. The bad play call. Yeah, the the screen to Tyreek Hill. Yes, yeah. that ran out the clock, and they couldn't mm-hmm. kick a field goal. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like from that point on, Patrick Mahomes never like actually recovered from that. <laughs> yeah, he lost his mojo. Yeah, and I think this is. I there have been how many games in the playoffs where we've seen a game get lost because a bad play call where a team goes unnecessarily aggressive instead of taking the points. Yeah, and 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 it's not even like I I wouldn't have hated a shot to the end zone. But why are you throwing a swing a screen, screen, a screen to Tyreek Hill, who, you know, by all accounts, has every capability of getting into the end zone. However, you got three guys on the on the end and he had no chance, just no chance. I mean, they sniffed it out. And it's just it just you ran the clock out. You missed the points. And then they scored three points in the next half and overtime of football. Yeah. You know, and you think about the Chiefs, you think of offensive firepower. Like, how do you have Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, that offensive line, Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman? You know, you have your running Iron back, Pringle, like, who's been really good. Pringle's been playing really well. You have your your running back, been great. Mm-hmm, who's playing really well. You know, how do you have all of that and score three points? You know, mm-hmm. I get halftime adjustments by the Bengals, and props to them, but. You know, it, it, it was so I, I guess the question is how much of it was the Bengals adjusting and, and Joe Burrow, you know, putting the team on his back and the defense locking up or how much of it was the 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 Chiefs choking, you know, for lack of a better term. I mean, I think it could be a little bit of both, but I do think we saw the same Mahomes that we were seeing play in the first half of the season where we said Mahomes sucks. Or at least I was saying that. I'm old enough to remember that. But, you know, I think that we can all agree that the combination of Joe, well, first of all, I'll talk about the Bengals. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is just a combo for the ages. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I really think that has a chance to be special. And just this young wide receiver class is just so freaking good. Like Devontae, uh, is it Devontae Parker on the Eagles? No, that's a Smith. Smith, thank you. Devontae Parker's on the Dolphins, or used to be on the. I, I, I don't know. Uh, Devontae Smith, <laughs> Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. You know, you got a bunch of guys. You know, young guys. You know, Jalen Waddle on the Dolphins. You know, a lot of young receivers that are really, really doing well. And then you got guys like you know Cooper Cup. You know, Stephon Diggs. I feel like the wide receiver position is really, really humming right now. Yeah, well, I think that we've come to a point in football where teams realize that it is not worthwhile in most cases. Obviously, Maverick's case is a rare exception to where it is not worthwhile to have a single bell cow running back who takes every carry that your team has all game. Mm -hmm. And so we're not seeing absolute superstars at the running back position like we were even a couple years ago when there were players that were playing out of their minds like Christian McCaffrey or Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb before we had Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. So, you know, ultimately I thought the chiefs were going to stomp their way to a championship this year, especially with and Tampa. it looked like it when they were up 21, three. Yeah. I thought that by all accounts, I was like, Ooh, this is going to get, ugly. thanks for coming. Bengals. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> they come all the way. Um, have another wild into regulation sequence going to overtime. Chiefs win the toss again. Everybody's like, oh, here we go. And also, when the Eagles Chiefs won the, the toss, 
That was a WWE level pop from the crowd. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason not to be confident. I mean, you're allowing them the chance to put the game away, but the Bengals got to stop. And then McPherson, once again, just has an extremely clutch moment as a rookie. Um, puts well, the game away the since the Bengals to the Super Bowl. It's not just a, it's not a, to go back to it. It's not just, you know, the defense, it's not just, I guess, the defense stepping up. I mean, like, that was just a really bad throw from Mahomes. Like, I don't know why that decision was made. But uh, I, the audacity, I think, of some folks, some, that's all some, like, very, like, I, I hope it's a minority saying that Andy Reid needs to be fired for that. Um, Andy Reid's best coach y'all had in years. Um, yeah. That, that's not one to get upset about. You, no. you, you move on. Um, from that, especially like I said, especially if the Bengals win, like I said, I, I do they do have vibes, they're a team of destiny, but similar, um, to what Tennessee did, uh, Aaron Donald is going to feast on that offensive line, so Von Miller is yep. going to feast, um, and their secondary is much better than ours. Is. So, great segue. I mean, so, so 49ers and Rams, um, I don't like Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't know why he's starting on an NFL team. I don't know how you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and go, yeah, that guy, you know what? That guy is probably better than 31 other guys. You know, like at this point, Mitch Trubisky might be an upgrade over (laughs) Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's saying something like it's just bad. Like you got a guy. They they have their quarterback of the future in waiting and they knew when they drafted him that they were going to have to redshirt him. So I don't think that it's, that outrageous especially when like i mean don't get me wrong jimmy g's not good but he's not like bad he's just not gonna win you again yeah, you don't make i mean you, i don't think a bad quarterback makes the nfc championship that's yeah that's like, I, I i agree david he's not gonna win you many games but he's also not gonna lose you that many games yeah Ow. i mean I, like i said he, he's a he's Tannehill. he's italian Tannehill. i think Tannehill's better than that though like <laughs> No, and just in the sense, maybe there's. I, I think it's marginal. That's mm-hmm. the sort of deal. They'll win you a lot of games, like and especially close games. But I don't know if they're at that level that can take you over the hump and get you a Super Bowl. I just think they have with George. Like, there's no reason the 49ers should not be Chiefs like on offense because of the having the literal human epitome of a Swiss Army knife in Debo Samuel. You have a guy like Brandon Ayuk. You have, you know, Tra- not Travis Kelsey, sorry, George Kittle. You know, there's just so many things that are that are playing towards the, the 49ers being really good on offense, and I feel like Jimmy G is the reason why they can't get over that hump. Yeah. And the defense, also, you know, you got a good defense too. And honestly, like I said, I, I'm personally, like, I think Matt Stafford's story is a little bit more cool for me at the moment. Um to see how much he, what he went through in Detroit and just how much he struggled that, you know, he honestly, I think he always has been a really good quarterback. He just sure. did not have the support around him to mm-hmm. showcase that at times. Yeah. Um, now I'd that agree. he's with a successful team, he's already in a Super Bowl. Yep. So, you know, I, and to you, to what, to your point, you know, I feel like we, I didn't really, you know, I watched the 49ers Rams, but I was like, it was like on the TV in the background. It wasn't like my main focus, like Bengals Chiefs. Um, you know, you got the storyline of Matt Stafford potentially winning a Super Bowl, OBJ 
winning a Super Bowl and having some vindication there. Uh, right, Aaron? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, you know, what What was his stat line? He had like six catches, 130 yards, something like that. Let me, let me find it. Hold on. I had Cooper Cup in my fantasy league, so I don't care about what the other dude did. <laughs> All right, let me find it. Hold on. Odell Beckham Jr., nine receptions, 113 yards, 12.6 reception average. However, Cooper Cup is just the man. I mean, he, I mean, so, so here, okay. So we'll uh, just real quick, quick fire predictions. Uh, uh, Aaron, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Rams. Maverick, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Rams. I, I David, also who's think win the Super Bowl. I also think the Rams, you know, I'm glad we're on the same page. I really like the Bengals. Love the Bengals. However, when you think about how, how Joe Burrow is getting eaten up behind the line, and then you look on the other side and you got Aaron Donald and you got Von Miller and you got Jalen Ramsey locking up, you know, your best receiver pretty much. Now I will say Jalen Ramsey got toasted last week a little bit by a, uh, yeah. I, Tom Brady's he, last touchdown ever. I was going to say he, oh, got sorry. Yeah, yeah. Toasted, yeah, he got toasted by a man who retired after the game. He got, yeah, it was, it was bad. Um, but I, I do think, you know, he'll, he'll recover. I am just looking at all of the pieces that the Rams have. And I just think they're in a better spot to win. However, Bengals are still the Bengals and they've been winning these weird games that we feel like they shouldn't win, you know? So it's like, I'm not going to count them out because I counted them out with the chiefs. I'm going to be honest with you. I counted them out. I was like, there's no way. So I'm not going to count them out. I think they've earned that. However, I just don't think, I think the defense is much better. I think this is going to be the best defense they've played. Is that, would you all agree with that? Yeah. I I mean, I think that the Bengals are absolutely on fire right now, but top to bottom, the Rams are a much more complete team than the Bengals are. So they're going to have to, I mean, Cooper cup and OBJ running wild over there, you know, I think is going to be a problem. And then you think about the Rams and just looking ahead to next year, like they're going to add Robert Woods back to this team. Like that's going to, that is going to be an issue for everybody. But uh, any more thoughts on, uh, on the Rams Bengals Super Bowl? Um, also something that I, I don't know if you noticed, David, I don't know if you watched the Chiefs game from the very beginning, but yeah. the microphone for the national anthem was out for like the first 10 seconds. I know, I saw that. <laughs> that was something. All righty. So, do we want to keep it? Do we want to keep on football, on NFL football, and just and talk about Brian Flores and Tom Brady and then talk about the schedule reveal? Or do you want to hit the schedule reveal now? Let's, let's keep it NFL. Okay, so let's talk about Brian Flores first. Um, you know, it, this just happened today. This this came out from Adam Schefter um, today. But Brian Flores is suing the Giants. Is he also suing the Dolphins? Broncos. Broncos. Thank you. Also suing the Broncos um, for uh, racism, and also, and I don't know if this is part of the lawsuit, but um, in the court documents. Uh, actually, let me go ahead and pull up. Yeah, former head coach Brian Flores is suing the NFL, the 
the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Broncos for alleged racism and hiring. And he includes texts from Patriots head coach Bill Belichick in the suit as evidence. Lawsuit filed in Manhattan federal court seeking unspecified damages from the NFL. So, you know, with, you know, I think so. Let's talk about the 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 Bill the Bill Bel, the Bill Belichick. Wow, that was a mouthful. The Bill Belichick aspect of this. So, um, I don't know if you all saw the text messages, but basically what had happened what had happened was um, uh, Bill texted Brian Flores, thinking that he was a, a Brian Dabble Dabble, um, telling him congrats on getting the Giants gig. Um, and then, uh, Brian Flores probably responded, said, thanks. I have an interview with them on Thursday. And he's like, well, Hey man, I think you're, you're the guy they told, they told me you're the guy, you know, you've been hired. You're the head coach. Congrats. And Brian Flores is like, I mean, that's the hope. (laughs) That's the hope. I haven't interviewed yet. That's the hope. And then Brian Flores texts back says, Hey, did you mean Brian Dabble. And he was like, uh, 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 and Bill Belichick said, dang it. I texted, I, I, this is the wrong Brian. I'm really sorry. You know? And then he said, I, he signed it up. I, I effed up BB, <laughs> you know, um, it was the, the, the exact, uh, text messages that I would expect to get from a 70 year old. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is the, the this is Rooney rule stuff, right? So what he's claiming is that um, the Giants had already hired a candidate and were only interviewing Brian Flores to check that that box for that Rooney rule. It didn't actually hire him with any intention of actually, sorry, didn't interview with him any intent with any intention of hiring him, which then becomes a broader issue of, well, you know, how many times does this actually happen? And, you know, if I were to, if I were a betting man, which I'm not, uh, I would bet quite often. So what this comes down to is basically Brian Flores uh, essentially uh, tanking his coaching career for this, which, you know, tells you a lot about what, how much he really believes in this, in this lawsuit uh, or what, and what he's gone through, you know, not to invalidate what he's gone through, but, you know, just thinking about, that aspect of it plus you know the really big thing that is and i don't know how to say this paid tanking like a hundred thousand dollars per loss is something that I, I don't think i've ever thought about you know i don't know about you all but i haven't really thought about it like a gm or an owner like compensating a coach for tanking like that's very mm-hmm. brazen. That's very brazen. And I don't know if you kept looking into it, but he was, um, there was apparently a free agent, which I assume I'm not going to make, sorry, I'm not going to make any assumptions. I thought it was Deshaun Watson, but they didn't name the actual player um, who was a free agent. Um, owner told him that he wanted him to start tampering. Basically, hey, you need to start contacting this player. We need to start setting up meetings. And Brian Flores was like, no, 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 no. That's against the tampering rules. Invites Brian Flores onto his yacht gets to the marina is it marina 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 (laughs) marina okay like marinara uh uh he gets to the marina and um tells brian flores that hey 
it just so happens that this free agent that I told you to meet is going to be here at this marina. Let's invite him onto the yacht and have a conversation. And Brian Flores promptly declined and left. Um, so things are getting really spicy <laughs> in the NFL from a image perspective right now, because that is a major bomb drop, especially when you consider the implications of being paid to lose games, especially as the NFL is starting to embrace sports betting as a part of its uh, uh, image and product, you know? Um, Cause I don't know about you. If I spent a lot of money on a bet and uh, I would be pissed if I found this out uh, that a team lost, yeah. you know, on purpose. It's definitely not a good look. I mean, the tired is uh, Bill Belichick effed up and texted the wrong uh, Brian. The wired take is that Bill Belichick did it on purpose, knowing the firestorm. Now, like I said, that, that I feel like that invalidates the real issues that are going on um, and such. But it's also something I wouldn't put past Bill Belichick to actually do, given his all the issues he's faced with like with the flake game and such um yeah now i mean it's it's i feel like it's always been like a talking point the last couple of years i mean it's there seems to be well documented stuff with you know black nfl coaches not getting a very long leash and not getting being able to get the tenure of other coaches who were not performing to standard uh, but still being able to keep their jobs and then you have stuff like the Rooney Rolex codes in place to be able to give opportunities to more uh, coaches. Um, but now it's, it seems to be having adverse effects or not being taken seriously. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's quite the situation. So we'll, we'll see how it unfolds. I'm sure this is going to be a long drawn out process, but you know, I will be curious to see what the, um, what the implications of this are. Cause you know, as of now, the NFL has denied this claim. They have denied that this is a thing. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Um, on to happier news in the NFL. Uh, Tom Brady retirement party. Woo woo. <laughs> Finally. 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 Yeah. The second time this weekend he retired. Still, Bad still man just... can't hurt us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kept us in suspense. But uh, Adam Schefter was vindicated. Uh, when Tom Brady announced his retirement shortly after, um, you know, lots of Super Bowls, lots of winning, great stuff. Um, you know, he's going to, you know, a shame that he's going to get overshadowed by Ben Roethlisberger retiring, you know, just really a shame, you know, <laughs> the more accomplished of the two quarterbacks, Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, everybody, but uh, effectively puts an end to that. Uh, was it the two, is it 2005, that draft class, the one with Philip river? Like, I guess that wasn't a draft class. It was just the era of like Philip rivers, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, uh, Tom Brady, big, big, uh, big Ben, like those guys, like the, the old man quarterbacks, the old man quarterbacks. Exactly. That, that era is now done. Uh, and it is now the dawning of a new era as scar from the lion King would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Am I still so 22 seasons, 20 with the Pats, two with the Bucks? Am I counting right? 10 of his 22 seasons, he was in a Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl. Yeah, man. Almost yeah. half of his career, he was playing in the Super Bowl. I was now, looking at a season. Now, let alone season probably, I, I, God knows how many AFC championships came in that time. Mm-hmm. 
I was looking at a list of his like season by season results earlier today. And I didn't, I mean, I guess I remembered the more I thought about it, but I had forgotten that there was almost a 10 year span in the middle of his career where he went without winning a Super Bowl. He won three Super Bowls in his first four seasons. And then in a 10 year span, lost two Super Bowls to the Giants. And then, to be fair, one in 2015, 2017. But there was a 10-year span where Tom Brady didn't win a Super Bowl. And then got but, what, four more. But, I mean, it, it's without a doubt the greatest quarterback of all time. And it's not oh, yeah. close. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool to be able to watch it. Like I said, it was, it was plenty easy to dislike him um, at points. But it was, it's one of those things. It's kind of like a heel in wrestling. Um, Sometimes they get to a point where you, you you got someone who you don't like just because of their actions, but they're so daggum good that you can't help and just like daggum, they're just a really good player. No, I don't like Tom Brady because he kisses his kids on the mouth. So <laughs> that's, that's I feel like I'm vindicated here by not liking him. <laughs> sorry to anybody listening. If you kiss your kids on the mouth, that that crap's weird, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, uh, yeah, the goat though. The goat, <laughs> guaranteed. Uh, so yeah, I guess we can go ahead and put him in the 2027 Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, he's he got inducted as soon as he announced his retirement. Like, come on. Yeah. Speaking of which, really quickly, I don't know how you feel about this, Aaron, but how do you feel about Barry Bonds not getting? He should be. He should be in the Hall of Fame. I I am of that belief. Barry Bonds was a bona fide Hall of Famer even before he started using the juice. We are of this. Like, you, we don't have to talk about this extensively, but you take a guy who introduced and, and really got people to like, ba- like a group of people who got to like baseball when he was playing, and you say, nah, that didn't count. Nah. He's well, not- the thing is that. He, the MLB basically encouraged that by having the whole chicks dig the long ball mm-hmm. thing. Like yeah. the MLB wanted home runs and he gave them what they wanted. And now they want to punish him for that. Well, I mean, the, the baseball hall of fame isn't MLB, isn't the MLB, but still he yeah. gave them what they wanted and now he's being punished for it. <laughs> All right. So I didn't actually see, I saw one of the tweets. But Maverick, I feel like you're really excited to talk about this Tar Heel football schedule reveal. Yeah, it's uh, and it could be just a quick uh, sort of deal. Let me get it yeah. pulled up here. Um, we got week zero at FAMU. We got FAMU coming to Chapel Hill. I think that's always exciting. That one's been announced for a while. Um, decent non-conference slate. We, really, uh, we don't have the tune-up game to state like we've had in years past. Stand by, uh, but also just acknowledging just the, the really funny um, tweets that UNC football's account sent out for all the opponents. <laughs> yeah, that was good. All right, yeah. Uh, week zero, uh, 4 to AM, followed by at App State, followed by at Georgia State, uh, by week, home game versus Notre Dame, at home versus Virginia Tech, at Miami, at Duke, another by. Home versus Pittsburgh at Virginia at Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, and then um, another Friday NC State game. Um, I guess the big takeaway that I had that September twenty fourth through the 
eight, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Miami, that's probably the toughest stretch of the season. Uh, I mean, you could also argue probably Pittsburgh at Virginia at Wake Forest would be another one. Um, so, but I do think it's evenly spread out. You got three hard games, but you got a couple more that you can bounce back from should there be any struggles or losses that come out of those. But yeah, just thought I'd go over it. Um, like lightning fast, way too early predictions. I'm seeing six and six. Six and six. Mm-hmm. You have a prediction, David? Um, I'm going to reserve my judgment until I actually look into the schedule, quite frankly. <laughs> I can give my early prediction, but I think we all know what it's going to be. 12 and 0. 15 and 0. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think on that, let's end on that positive note. <laughs> 